Well, good morning to everyone here and joining us online. We give thanks for you. Or are we got folks online? Okay, I don't see red light, but that's okay. Good. Uh, it is such a joy to be here with you. I haven't had the opportunity to preach in like the last three months because working for the conference office. So I'm so excited. And Don, when she asked me, she said, I wanted you to have this opportunity. And she said, now remember, you got to preach for at least 35 minutes. If you're listening, you can hear a distinct yell from Don miles away from here. No! You know, don't worry. We're not going to, you know, I'm not going to do that to you. But, hey, listen, uh, I am uh, in the conference office working disaster response full time. My, my official title is Associate Director for United Methodist Committee on Relief and United Methodist Volunteers and Mission for the Mississippi Conference of the United Methodist Church. Who can say that 10 times fast? <laughs> so we just like to say, I do disaster response. But I'm going to talk a little bit here at the front end about disaster response because here's the thing. Disaster response is a labor of love. And it's a labor that we are all called to join in together because we know that we are not alone. God is with us. Does that sound familiar to y'all? Like, like somebody may have just said that? You know, thank you, Drew. I mean, you just teed me up nicely there. You know, disaster response is all of us coming together, being the hands and feet of Christ. And it doesn't mean you've got to go to the disaster site, because I can tell you right now, any love, support, prayers that you sent up after the March 24th tornadoes, Tornadoes, plural, not just Rolling Fork, Silver City, Carroll County, Montgomery County, Amory, Monroe County. They were felt. The people knew that they were being prayed for and are continued to be prayed for. The folks in Jasper County, the Lewin community, and Lord bless them. They, you know, that was a hard one for them. And then Jackson County. And then all over the world. I was so happy to see, if you look in your bulletin, Right here, September Communion Offering Support Maui Disaster Relief. Y'all, the folks in Maui, they need help. I mean, and, and you know, the argument might be like, why are we doing that? Because we got plenty of problems here in Mississippi. Well, you know what? We still love our neighbors and want to help each other. Even when we're cleaning up from our own disasters, you know, we are in this together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, if you would like to participate in disaster response, there's several opportunities. Uh, one is the, is the opportunity of prayer. Prayer is always important. We need all the prayers we can get, and especially when folks see me rolling up. You know, they're like, oh, Lord, what's he going to do? You know, <laughs> and that's, that's also why I got my hat here. This is, you know, as I jokingly say, this is the hat I wear, you know, for disaster response. You know, not, uh, the joke is we don't need Lone Rangers. We need team players. And so I wear that a bit ironically. I'm not the Lone Ranger. You know, I'm a team player. Because as we know in faith, you know, we're all in this together. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all got an equal part to play. Our parts may be different. And uh, the team captain has already been selected. We, we say that's Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Uh-huh. Prayer. Offerings. Uh, you, can, you can give to UMCOR. You can, uh, you know, giving to UMCOR or giving to our conference office here for our disasters or, or like what you're doing for the offering to go to Maui. You know, that's another way. 
ERTs, early, early, uh, I stop and remember, early response teams. Whew. When you speak in acronyms so much, sometimes you forget what real words are. Early response teams are not rescue teams, all right? You're not going in with the firefighters and the police and the EMS and the train rescuers. No, 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 no. We don't do that. No, 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 no. We go in afterwards, and we help folks put a tarp on their roof. We help them uh, with debris around the house or mucking out their house. But we also do a lot of other cool stuff. We have spiritual emotional support teams you know if you're like look I ain't getting up on the roof and last I was told there's a restraining order against me using chainsaws or anything that involves lawn equipment well great we want you to go and listen to people talk listen to them how many of us have had a moment that we just you know, something just lousy happened and you loved it that somebody just, just sat there and listened to you. They didn't tell you how you were supposed to feel. They didn't tell you how this, that, and the other. They just listened to you and it, and, it, and it helped because it allowed you to, you know, get it out there. How many of us have ever had something like that to happen? All right, that's a trick question. That's all of us. You know, by the way, I'm full participatory. If I ask a question like, raise your hand if, you know, you're, you're invited to raise your hand. Now, some things you may want to be discerning about, you know, but if you want to go ahead and throw it up there, throw it up there. But yeah, we have emotional and support teams. We also have assessment teams. So if you're like, I ain't getting on a roof. I ain't working with power tools. But I can go and look and see what's messed up and write that down. So there's so many ways you can help with uh, being part of an ERT team. And it just so happens, September 23rd in Hattiesburg, Mississippi at Parkway Heights, you know, the, the imitator of Parkway Hills. <laughs> I thought some of y'all like that. We are having an ERT training, and you'll find more information about that on the conference website. Now, some of you like, look, I work a job that I just can't haul off when a disaster happens because, you know, disasters, they just don't check our schedule to ask, is this an okay time to happen? You know, it's like some of these things that happen in life. So, that's okay because if you have a disaster response team or a mission team, an UNVIM mission team, you know, you can say like, look, I can't haul off when the disaster first happens, but you give me a couple of months, a few months to plan, hey, I can take off work for a week and, and help people repair or rebuild. So, you know, that's through UNVIM, United Methodist Volunteers and Mission. We love the alphabet soup in, in United Methodism. But those are our two main agencies, UMCOR, UMVIM. UMCOR being our primary uh, administrator, and that's the, what we know as first coming in. But UMVIM, United Methodist Volunteers in Mission, are very important to us. They're, they're the folks that come in after, way after the storm and what we call the recovery phase to help with the repairs and the rebuilds. And it's all being the hands and feet of Christ. It's laboring together in the vineyard. And it's just so funny to think about laboring. And as we are, you know, in this weekend of Labor Day, taking a rest from labor. But it's, you know, our rest from labor is a bit of a Sabbath to, to rest, to look and to see what is being accomplished. And, and as we're going to dive into our scripture here of Exodus 
We're going to see the importance of labor. We're going to see the rest that is needed for, you know, to see what is going on. But we also are going to continue to see the wisdom in literature of the scriptures. We're going to continue to see how life continues to reflect that which what we learn from Scripture. So, if you will, join with me. Our Scripture reading is from Exodus, the third chapter, verses 1 through 10. And I am reading from the Common English Bible because, well, you know what? I'm a kind of a simple guy and I like the simple reading. So, hear these words. Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw the bush was in flames but didn't burn up. Moses said to himself, let me check this amazing sight and find out why this bush isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God, your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey, a place where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites all live. Now the Israelites' cries of injustice have reached me. I've seen just how much the Egyptians have oppressed them. So get going. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I was reading something interesting here, a report. People of all ages, particularly the very poor and recent immigrants, often faced extremely unsafe working conditions with insufficient access to fresh air, sanitary facilities, and breaks. Wow. I read this about Labor Day and the origins of Labor Day. This was in the 1800s. And when I read that, some of y'all are like, ooh, wow, where's this at? You know, I bet that's up in New York, or I bet that's over here. You know, y'all, everybody started thinking that you knew where it's at. But this was from two centuries ago. People being forced to work in dangerous situations. People being forced to work for uh, 12 or more hours, six days a week. You know, and I bet in some cases, some of the, a lot of folks probably had to work, throw in that extra seventh day. It was not a pleasant thing. And so some folks got to thinking, you know what? We can't keep doing this. This ain't going to work for us. And so some folks decided to, one day in New York, they, they decided to take some time off. Unpaid, of course. And they marched to City Hall demanding better. And... 
it kind of started a movement that started, you know, reaching out to other places. And workers were, were demanding better. And they were having these, these marches, these protests. And, and unfortunately, some events turned violent. And the most infamous was the Haymarket Riot of 1886, which several people were killed. But on June 28, 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed into law the Labor Day holiday. A day to take off. A day to give thanks to what the workers of this nation are doing and as a way to, to look at the work conditions. As a way to see, can we do things better? And the interesting thing about it is we still don't know who the exact founder of the Labor Day movement is. There's a couple of guesses, a good, you know, one is it was a machinist in Chicago, another one it was a laborist in New York, but, but we don't know. But it's amazing how, you know, we, we are looking at, you know, we're looking at, we're looking at the scriptures of, of Exodus. You know, we've exited out of Genesis, we're in Exodus now, and it just so happens to line up with Labor Day. And in Exodus, there was that crying out of the people saying, this, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep living the way we are with, with the harshness of Pharaoh, and they're, they're crying out. And so the Lord, hearing their cry, says, you know what, we got to do something different. And he calls his boy Moses. Now, Moses is, is, is kind of funny, because yeah, I wonder about something. So, we know that Moses is going to be the hero of Exodus. He's going to lead out the Israelites, the, you know, the folks in captivity of Egypt. But I, I wonder, who first led Moses? You ever wonder that? You ever think about that? Now, now I know what all y'all were thinking. Okay, bless his heart. He paid money to go to seminary, and he doesn't know that it was God. <laughs> We're going to go a little deeper than that. Who first led Moses? Not God, but, but who did God put in Moses' life to lead him? You know, sometimes we take for granted how the beginning happened to get us where we are today. And when God called out to Moses from that bush, you know, I mean, y'all, is there anything, and please forgive me, but I, my mind just works simple. Is there anything more redneck than a guy seeing a bush burning up and not being seen saying, wow, I got to see this. I mean, I bet if Moses had a stick, he was poking it. Or he was thinking about poking it. You know, he, he didn't quite get that far because God said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, Moses. Stop where you are. Take your shoes off. Holy ground, we got a little decorum here, okay? You know, like, like me with the hat here, I'm not going to put on the hat here in the worship space. I'm going to sit over here because I think I'm going to knock it over. But stop and think who led Moses? See, Moses was tending his father's flock. Little sheep, sheep imagery there, you know, that's important in Scripture. You know, that, that shepherd, that one to look after, that one to protect. 
And he was given an experience of a lifetime to see this burning bush. But then, he had the experience of an awe-inspiring presence of God to call to him. And not only is God calling to him, but giving him a special task. I mean, how many times in your life have you experienced that calling of God to you because something amazing is happening and then you just feel that stirring in your heart or in your belly or, or however you want to say it. And it's nothing short of the Lord calling out to you. Anybody ever experienced that? Y'all don't leave me here hanging by myself? Come on, I said full participatory, raise some hands. I know y'all experienced that. You know, but how did you get there? How did you come to this place? And when given that opportunity, are you going to accept it and say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Or are you going to do what Moses does? Who am I going to Pharaoh? Well, <laughs> you want me to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Lord, did you think that plan all the way through? You realize this is me? And God gives him that reassuring, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you'll come back here and worship God on this mountain. And Moses probably said, it's easy for you to say, but you ain't the one who got to go before Pharaoh. And I invite you to continue to read the Exodus story in chapter 3. And for there, and, and really get that full sense of Moses' fear. Because he tries to argue, but, you know, Lord, uh, you know I don't speak too well. Which, I love the joke I heard, you know, uh, a couple of guys were fishing and, and, you know, boat turned over and one of them drowned, unfortunately. And, and, you know, his friend who was fishing with him, they said, look, you got to go tell his wife. And he, and he was a stutterer. And he says, I can't, you know. I, 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 and they said, look, you got to tell him, even if you got to put the male tillis to it. And so he goes and he's like, uh, 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 you know, trying to say, yes, uh, who drummed in the river today? Do da, do da. If the Lord tells you to do something, the Lord's going to tell you to do it. And if it means, you know, I'm a stutterer, <clears throat> put the male tillis to it. Do it. The Lord's calling you. Because you have probably experienced a grace that you have taken for granted. You see, Moses is not about to lead the Israelites out of Egypt without having first experienced liberation. See, this is liberation literature. This is about being free. And Moses himself has been freed. Moses himself has experienced God's liberation several times over. And so God is calling him to share that liberation with others. Just as all of us in here who know, who have that relationship with God, who have experienced God's grace, are called to share that grace with others. Never take for granted where you started to where you are now. I asked earlier, who led Moses first? 
And like I said, don't, don't, uh, I'm telling you right now, don't give me the guys, you know, the, the, the Sunday school answer. Who led Moses first? Now, I heard somebody over here whispering, his mom. And whoever said that, congratulations, you win the prize of a nice POB. Pat on the back. It was his mama. Who was, yeah, let's do a little trivia. Who was Moses' mama? I, 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 wait, wait, but before we continue, if you've been seminary trained, you're disqualified from participating. Who's his mama? Oh, okay. From Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, Amaram, Amaram okay, say it like you believe it, married Jacobed, the, his father's sister. She gave birth to Aaron and Moses. So that Jacobed is, is Moses' mama. She had Moses, and this was the time Pharaoh was wanting to uh, help do a little population reduction, you know, kill the firstborn children. Mm -hmm. and, well, and so she was there like, wait a second, I love my baby. I mean, I already got two, but, you know, th three is a charm. Uh, and she could not hide him any longer. She took a reed basket and sealed it up with black tar. She put the child in the basket and set the basket among the reeds at the riverbank. She not only labored, literally, to have Moses, but she also labored to take a basket to cover it, to make it watertight so she could put her child in it to liberate him from death. And the strength of, hmm, I, I, I don't know, I ain't got nothing, so I, I don't know. But the strength it took for her to put him in the reeds, to, to love him that much, but to let him go. But there would be liberation from death. Who else was in Moses' life to lead him, to help him find liberation? His sister Mary. She would... You know, probably probably like a child would, you know, watching that basket and then running and watching, running. And just so, lo and behold, here comes Pharaoh's daughter. You know, it must have been a Saturday night because she goes down to the river to take a bath. And she finds this basket with this baby. Oh, my goodness. You know, I won the lottery. And Mary was like, hi. You know, that's a little bitty baby. You know, and that's one of them see if I can find you a nurse to take care of it. And Pharaoh's daughter's like, this seems like a great idea. Go for it. She runs home. <laughs> Mama, guess what? You get to take care of Moses. Although, Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses because she said, I pulled him out of the water. Another liberating moment. See, liberation didn't start with Moses. It started with the faithfulness of his mother who did the work to bring him into this world, did the work to keep him safe. It, it was part of the liberating work that Moses experienced when his sister you know, wanted to make sure that he was safe. And, and when Pharaoh's daughter found said, hey, I got a great idea. Let me go find a lady to take care of him. It was... You know, the work of big brother Aaron who would go with Moses to be the spokesman 
But like the good little brother Moses didn't let Aaron take too much. He found that courage. He found that courage to speak because he knew that God was with him. And he also had that courage. He had that, that, that drive, that determination because of the work of those before him. God blesses the work of the faithful. Moses' mother was faithful. His sister was faithful. His brother was faithful. Now, they had their mess ups. Don't get me wrong. You're going to read that and be like, well, wait a minute. They, they, they messed up with you. And guess what? That's life. How many of us are without sin and perfect? Y'all don't leave me hanging on this one, and that's okay. If anybody raised your hand, then see me afterwards. We need to chat. Because even in the story, Moses isn't perfect when he tries to say, oh, God, you might want to call somebody else. But no, God calls us to be faithful. To live our stories. And to also examine our stories. To see the faithfulness of those who have been in our lives to equip us, encourage us, and to guide us. So that we can go forward and live faithfully in the call that God gives to us. Now we may try to run here and there, but you know what? We're still called to be faithful. In a couple of weeks, uh, for Sunday school, uh, Don is going to be doing a, a history of Methodism, an adult uh, confirmation class. Highly encourage you. I mean, even if you've been a Methodist your whole life, I encourage y'all, go, go to this. This, this is going to be a fun class. You're going to learn a lot about Methodism. And, and one of the things I hope she talks about is the fact that Susanna Wesley, this, this is a fun thing. You know, Susanna Wesley, she poured into her kids. She poured into them. She, she gave each child an hour a day to, to teach them, to, to love, to nurture them. But I also love what Susanna would do. Susanna also knew that she needed time to herself. She needed time to rest. And so to rest, she'd pull her out of dress over her head and the, and the kids all knew, oh, Mom, that's Mama's time. And they kept on tracking. You know, because, you know, Susanna needed some of her own time. She needed to take a break herself. Remember the story of Genesis. Some of you are like, I thought he said we're not going back to Genesis. No, I never said that. I just said we're out of Genesis, but we're going to look back there. What did God do on the seventh day? Oh, let's say that a little louder. Rest. Rested, yeah. For Moses, his rest came from the time he left Israel to the time of the burning bush. Now he worked in there. Don't, don't, don't hear me saying he didn't do nothing. But that was his time of rest. His time of gathering strength. His time of learning. For when God called him to say, go forth. It's time to lead. All of us need Sabbath. All of us need a time of rest. All of us need a time to, to, to take a break. Yeah, tomorrow is a really good day. I think they call it Labor Day. Some of us are getting a three-day weekend, and, and it's that time to say, Whew, use that time to rest. Use that time to recharge, re-energize, renew. Use that time to reflect back on who equipped you. Who encouraged you?
who laid you and are willing to follow you because you have a faith that is strong. And when God says, where are you? You say, here I am, send me. Then, I want you to think about who you are equipping. Who are you encouraging? Who are you leading that one day you will follow? Because they responded when God said, who shall I send? And they said, here I am, Lord, send me. Send me, Lord, so that I can help liberate those around who are burdened, those who are being held by the chains of addiction, those who are being held by the chains of those who would be a workaholic thinking fulfillment comes and putting in extra hours at the neglect of quality family time and time with friends. To set free the single parent who's wondering how they're going to make ends meet or have time for themselves. To set free the ladder climber who is too busy climbing that they don't see that they've left everyone else below. To set free those with mental illness who are told it's their problem, their fault. To liberate those from the fear and worry of how, what do I do next when the tornado has blown away everything they've ever known and worked for. And there are so many more examples the liberation that we read in Scripture continues today. If we look and listen, we can hear God calling us to go forth, to lead people out of sin, captivity, slavery. If we look and we listen, we can hear where people are crying out to God. And as we hear them cry out, we hear God say, whom shall I send? As we celebrate Labor Day, as we celebrate taking a rest from labor, let us remember that the fruits of our labor are more than what fills our pocketbooks. It's more than what puts four walls around us. It's more than what puts food on our plate. It's more than what gives us a, a car to ride in, a TV to watch, or a cell phone. But the fruits of our labor is labor that frees others to know that they are not alone. And not only are they not alone, they can find liberation in the love of God. And as they experience that liberation, they are also called to share their story, to share their faith, to liberate others. Let us work together in God's vineyard.
knowing it's not just about disasters where people come in with fluorescent green shirts, but it's about the everyday trials in life that we know where our liberation comes from to help others find it as well and to find rest. Let's pray. Holy Lord, we thank you for the labor that you give us because it is a labor of love. And sometimes it takes a lot out of us. And, and sometimes we wonder, Lord, are you sure you called the right person? Are you sure you called the one who's the most equipped or the most knowledgeable? But Lord, we know you wouldn't call us if you didn't believe. Because you created us and you know what we're capable of. And Lord, we know you wouldn't call us to leave us alone. You call us to be with us, to journey with us to share your love with others. And Lord, when we need rest, you give us rest. But you also remind us that our labor is a labor for others to find rest in you through the liberation of sin and death. The liberation that comes of knowing that we are truly yet alive and that we are called to be faithful to you. In Christ's name, amen.